But here in the U.S., the most powerful country in the world, there's no support for us. Brain surgeon at nothing, nothing. You don't have anything on being a stay-at-home mom. I did not, one year I survived, that's it. Hello, hello, hello. This is Samantha Saxby with another episode of Moms with Benefits. And I am so excited to talk with Devin today. Devin is a mom and she is a mom of four kids. So she has two biological children, ages 13 and 11 currently. And then her two youngest children are adopted and have been with their home for four years now and are seven and five years old. So Devin, you have a lot of experience, a lot of years as a working mom under your belt. Super, super excited to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. This is cool. Awesome. All right. So let's dig into it. I kind of want to start with, you know, you've been doing this for a while. And um, I mean, your oldest is 13. So if I think about 13 years as a working mom, that that's a lot of years. That's a lot of days. That's a lot of stress, a lot of smiles, a lot of victories, challenges, etc. under your belt. So can you just kind of share, I kind of want to get at, you know, first, what excites you about being a working mom? And then we'll move to what struggles have you had? But for now, you know, what excites you about being a working mom? It is a difficult decision to make for anyone. There's a lot of societal pressures, but I am glad that I uh, stayed working. It gives me a sense of identity, um, a sense of purpose. Not that motherhood doesn't give that as well, of course, and motherhood is the most important job, but I like having something um, outside of it that's just for me. Maybe that's selfish, but it works for me. I am a 1000% extrovert. I love, I do love spending time with other people. Um, and so it makes sense for me to get out of the house, go to work every day, work with like-minded people, interact with other adults. And then I think it, I'm able then to come home kind of refreshed and ready for that second shift, right? You come home in the evening and now you're in mom mode and I've missed my kids all day. And so it kind of bring, it brings like a new energy to mothering for me in that evening time when it's easy to feel uh, exhausted, <laughs> but because we've had that time apart, that time together is that much more special. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So you're kind of looking at it more big picture of there, there's two sides to the coin and each each side kind of fuels your energy for the other job that you have. Do you feel like we're still talking about, you know, what excites you about being a working mom? So is this exciting that you have kind of two identities, would you call it? Or do you feel like they're integrated? Or talk me through how you how you feel when flipping back from work to mom mode? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I do. I do think it's like being like two separate identities, but in the best way, because people's personalities are multifaceted. And so there are days or times when you're really, your skills are shining in one area. For example, if you're doing a presentation, if you're hosting a podcast, and then there are times where, you know, you want to be home, you feel pride in uh, cooking something delicious or baking something delicious. Like you can have those different areas of your life, if that makes sense. And if they, if they were all together all the time, all at once, it would be overwhelming. So it is kind of nice to have this space where I'm um, just adult woman, Devin, right, in the working world. And then I come home and I'm 
you know, a thousand percent mom, Devin, right. You know, um, kids climbing on me. I've like food on me, like from children, like wiping their hands on me and that's okay. And then I think what's important too, is that if you're doing your job right as a mother, your children need you less and less. And so when you start to make that transition, um, where your kids are needing you less and less, or just needing you as a chauffeur, uh, well, I have a lot of that <laughs> these days, um, that there, I still have that other Devin that I can go to. And then I, I don't know if we're allowed to talk about, but there's also that piece of wife Devin, right? Like maintaining that relationship with my husband. And so I think that kind of having both those pieces of myself also uh, helps our relationship. That's an awesome point. Thank you for incorporating that. So you have three real three roles, right? You have the wife role, the mom role, and the adult role or the adult working working role. And that's important to balance and to make sure that you feel, I don't know, fulfilled is the right word, but make sure that you feel like you are actively invested and actively present in all of those areas of your life. So I want to go back to when you mentioned that if you're doing your job right, your children will need you less. That is powerful, scary. Where did that come from? Like who, where did that come from? Who taught you that? Did you teach yourself that? I, I'm saying I, I agree with it. That's, that's our job is to raise these kids to be functioning, emotionally managed adults, how how do you kind of keep your eye on that big picture of that goal when the day-to-day -day and the emotions and the love can, can maybe sometimes stifle that big picture thinking? Yeah, I was lucky because um, when my oldest children were very young, I was teaching elementary. So I had this kind of uh, window into the future, not too far into the future. And you would see the the kids who knew how to tie their own shoes, they knew how to zip their own coats, um, that they could, like you said, regulate their emotions a little better. Um, and I'm not even talking about academic skills, right? People are going to have strengths in whatever areas. And there's always time to quote unquote catch up. Um, so that never concerned me as much, but this idea that when I'm away from my child, how will they behave and interact with their world? And also, unfortunately for me, um, I've had some loss in my life. And so I had to face that, right? What does this mean now for me? And so I maybe think about it more than the average mom, or maybe more than I should be thinking of, but I do think about when, when I'm not around to help my kids as much or at all, what will their life be like? And how will they support each other, right? As a, as a unit, as a family, even without me. And I know maybe it seems morbid, but when it's when you had loss in your life, you do think about that stuff. Even though my kids are young, anything can happen. Am I still answering your question even? I, I think you are, and you're answering things that I didn't even ask because that's how wonderful of a perspective you have. So I'm I'm loving it all, sitting here nodding my head. <laughs> so let's dive into some of the struggles you've had as a working mom. Again, you've been at it for 13 years. Now you still have a five and a seven-year-old, 11 and 13-year-old. Mm -hmm. So you still are very much also in the thick of it, even though you have over a decade experience. So what struggles are there? Specific struggles? Is it a same theme of a struggle? Like where does your mind go? The mom guilt. Mm. I mean, you're never you're never doing enough as a mother, right? And I think I'm really happy that there seems to be like a light shining on this more in society now, like an awareness being brought um, that 
our our poor mothers probably deserved and our grandmothers definitely deserved, um, but did not get. And so, but you still have that guilt. And so there's been this weird <laughs> uh, dichotomy where there's this um, celebrating moms and uh, encouraging women to work if they want and stay home if they want. But then at the same time, the birth of social media still makes us feel like not enough. Like when you see these moms that had these intricate two-year-old tea parties with nading china and a photographer and everyone's in white dresses and you're like where did i go wrong um so you're never doing enough as a mom and you're never doing enough at your job and you're never doing enough as a wife and i don't know if men feel the same pressure maybe they do um we'll have to get a dads with benefits interview um <laughs> but i i think that's i think that's universal i think moms worldwide feel that I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of moms can relate to that and dads too, maybe. And so what have you found works in your experience to overcome that doubt, that guilt? Are there exercises? Is it a mantra? Is it just getting up every day? Kind of what helps you push through that struggle? Yeah, uh, mom friends. And you have to have mom friends that are where you're at, that have older kids that are in a higher socioeconomic status in a lower socioeconomic status all these people ground you um, and guide you um, but you need to find your people and i know it's not easy for everyone i know that social media again i i think makes some people feel actually more isolated that they can't find but there are those people out there and um i have been very lucky i have one friend in particular that i have known through early childhood. And there have been ebbs and flows in our relationship, but then we ended up having children um, around the same time. Her two children are the, um, the same ages as my two oldest. And that has been uh, incredibly grounding. Her support is unreal. You know, just being, having that person you can call and say the most ridiculous, you know, like word vomit, like I'm stressed because of this and they're there for you and vice versa. I do think it's something you can't do. I can't do it alone with a mantra. I need people. Again, that's my my personality as an extrovert. And so meeting up with other moms, special needs groups. So I have some kid, some of my kids <laughs> have special needs and those groups are very supportive. Those moms that get that, we're in groups where uh, for adoption support and those families get that. And so um, it doesn't have to be some one mom that gets everything that you're going through. But if you have those systems of support set up of other moms, uh, I think that's invaluable. They talk a lot about finding your tribe, um, but it doesn't have to be one tribe. It can be people that understand those different aspects about what's difficult. I have friends who are stay-at-home moms, friends that are working moms, and it's all a different support to me. And hopefully I'm a support to them in different ways. That's really insightful. And so, yes, you're finding your mom tribe, but it's also being really reflective and purposeful in the different people in that mom tribe, knowing that every mom's journey is different. So I love that you said you have some stay-at-home mom resources. You have moms that are in a higher social economic status and lower. And so you're able to take different perspectives and pull inspiration and encouragement from from different journeys and different stories. Does that feel right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there are just times, again, that that mom guilt and mom pressure. Is your kid in every activity? Does your kid have this name brand most popular thing right now? You have to, you're trying to navigate that. You can't navigate it alone. The world is also too big now, right? Growing up, well, you're a lot younger than me. You don't know what I'm talking about, but growing <laughs> up in the late 80s, early 90s, your world was your neighborhood and that's it, right? Your parents' friends were their neighbors or like a few couples they were friends with in high school or college who have kids your age. That's it. The world is too big now. Even look at look at us, right? Our our my oldest daughter with her sports, you know, going and playing in other cities potentially, right? Already. So that means friendships with other kids and other I mean, it's it's so we can't I can't do this alone. <laughs> There's no way you need, yes, the uh, that tribe of women who can give those different perspectives. And then you take from that what you need. It doesn't mean you need to emulate every mom and what they're doing, but um, kind of as a, use it almost as a, a window and a mirror, right? A window out to see what others are doing, but then also that mirror to reflect back to yourself. What will I do? What does this mean for me and my family? I absolutely love that. A window and a mirror. That is definitely a takeaway. I love that. When you're thinking about your mom tribe, do you feel that you've always had that mom tribe? I want to kind of transition now to thinking about 13 years ago when you were a fresh mom. Did you have that mom tribe? You know, what was your experience like? And I think the biggest question I would say is what would you go back and tell yourself when you were six months postpartum? Oh, girl, you're getting in the deep stuff now. Okay. <laughs> so first of all, definitely did not have it early on. Um, our, so my husband and I had like, again, a, a little friend group um, and that we had had since late high school, college, and we were the first ones to have children. And we weren't even that young. I don't want to, my, I had my daughter at 28. So now everybody knows my age, but you know, so I'm and not, it's not like I was that young. Um, but none of our other friends were even remotely interested. And I'm going to tell you how fast we got dropped. I can't, like, I can't because our social, not because they're awful people, but because our social, um, we could not interact socially the way that we used to, right? Um, you're not going to go out and, and go, you can't go to a restaurant every Friday night. You can't go to a bar every weekend with a baby. And so financially, you know, financially, but also just uh health and safety and everything and scheduling but it's amazing uh, a friend from that group had her first son around the time i had my second and she reached out to me unprovoked and apologized and she said i had no idea how difficult this would be and how lonely you must have felt look i'm getting emotional but it's true and i appreciated that so much and what that must have taken for her to reflect and then think about me um is so telling of what a wonderful person she is and people don't know until they know and then you also never want to be that person that's always talking about your baby and so you lose friends that way too because everything your baby does is amazing so let's go to um so no, I definitely did not have that early on and it was very difficult. I'm so glad that I was able to develop and find that later on. And so six months postpartum with my oldest, what I would go back in time and tell her would probably be <laughs> to go out and, and seek mom friendships outside of the people I already knew that I would have to um, expand that circle, utilize resources, 
I would also, we haven't touched on this. And if you don't want me to talk about it yet, I did stay home for a year. Mm, Okay. So after I had my oldest um, and I was able, I was very lucky. I was able to be home with her for five months. And then I went back to work and I will tell you, I was very excited to go back to work, but balancing is difficult. And so maybe I would have told, I would have gone back and told myself six months postpartum to try that year to try to stay home at that point, because then what happened was, so we knew that then for my second, I would try to stay home. I talked with my husband about my feelings, a thousand percent supportive. And he said, all right, let's make this work. So we financially, while I was pregnant, planned that I would be home for one year. We socked away so much money. We live, <laughs> I don't know what we lived on, peanut butter and jelly and spaghetti. And so when that time came to stay home, I feel very lucky I had that time, but staying home with two children, a two-year-old and an infant is very different than staying home with one baby. And because I had not really had that experience, staying home with two was a slap in the face. Mm. It was a wild transition. There's no, there's no off time. There's no breaks. There's no lunch break. There's no toilet break. And it was very difficult. And then when that year was up, I was very happy to go back to work. And I have wonderful, lovely children who I adore. Um, It was not for me. I am kind of giggling to myself because I hear you giggling and it makes me, I think, give hope to those other moms who may be having a baby and a toddler right now at home and their day, they're not laughing and they're not giggling. No, they're but not. <laughs> when you're on the other side, it does sound like you can giggle about it and you can say that was rough and you know, you had to make some sort of change for your work-life balance to be able to be the healthiest version of yourself as a mother, it sounds like. Yeah, and I don't think with the... The way the economy is right now, I don't think we would have been able to swing it. So I also want to tell moms now or families now who are really struggling financially and not, I'm trying, you know, they're thinking to themselves, we're just eating peanut butter and jelly and spaghetti and saving. I know you are. The econ- This is, I'm talking about 2012. The economy was totally different. Um, and so I, I don't like to, this idea that like, if everyone just stopped eating avocado toast, we would all be millionaires. No. And so I also don't want people to take that away that, oh, she was able to save up. We were, but it was a totally different position um, that we were in. And now, if I think about it now, it's laughable. We would never be able to save up money for me to stay home now. (laughs) Never. But you know what? I'm not saying I disagree. I think that's something that is not talked about enough is the, I mean, it's dubbed the motherhood penalty. What's your experience been in thinking about your own motherhood penalty. I have that in air quotes. um, If you do feel like there was any. Absolutely. So first there's the social penalty, right? Of what do you do when people ask, what do you do? I stay home. Oh, that's nice. Right? Like this idea of like, oh, you have a hobby and it's your kids, right? Like you, (laughs) like it's not a huge sacrifice or that it's not the hardest job on the planet brain surgeons, nothing, nothing. You don't have anything on being a stay at home mom. I did not, one year I survived, that's it. And also um, this is more very specific to what my job was, but as a teacher, um, you know, you're paying into state retirement and you earn your, your tenure and your seniority literally just by how many years you are in the system. So everything, the clock stopped for me. So that year doesn't count at all. And so, 
in one way, it ended up being helpful when I did make the decision to change careers because I was not as uh, invested as I thought I was because that whole year did not count. Even the five, so, all right, so when I stayed home with Lydia, when I say I stayed home for five months, she was born in March. So I was able to take my FMLA through June and then um, teacher's insurance and everything you're covered through the summer. So um, July and August. So um, I was lucky that way, but those, so mid-March, April, April, May, June, even that I was penalized for as part. So like they, they do it by the month. So all of that, when I thought about how long I wanted to stay in teaching to try those golden handcuffs to, to receive my benefits. Um, if you hit 20 years, you know, it changes uh, uh, how you receive, how much you receive for retirement. But I was actually a year and five, like five months further away than I thought. And so then I was able to make that decision that, you know what, I, I can't, this, I, this is an even better reason to break up now um, because I'm even further than I thought. I can't even stick it out for this time. So it's kind of the opposite of what you're asking. Uh, if I had stayed, it might've been harder to make that transition, but the penalty for sure, every, every month that you're gone uh, is counted against you toward, uh, as far as your seniority, which again, affects your retirement. So it's a huge sacrifice and decision to make to either take time off of work or stop working or go to part-time even. Yeah. And so when you said you made a change, are you talking about the recent change that you made in your career? Yes. And so talk to me about that. So um, I don't even know how deep to get into it. It's very difficult actually still for me to talk about overall. So for to glaze over it, there is no work-life balance as a teacher. There is um, an assumption by the public that being a teacher is the best job for a mom because of quote unquote summers off um, and not having. And yes, and I'm not going to downplay finding childcare for the summer or for those breaks is very difficult for sure. But there's an inflexibility every other day that you're at work that you don't experience in the corporate world. There's no, oh, um, I need to leave a little bit early, so I'm gonna come in early or I'm gonna work through lunch. There's none of that. You have to be there during these hours. And so having, and then you have a very limited amount of sick time you can take. So if your child's sick, um, which if they're in daycare at school, cause you're at work, they're gonna get sick. Anytime they have like a, a, a little concert or an open house, I had to miss it. I, I was taking care of other people's children way more than my own and the guilt of that i will never be rid of and so i thought you know we're at like a now or never point right in my career i'm 41 and so like i had talked about before if i was you know even a little bit further in i would have those golden handcuffs and say i can't leave i'm too close to receiving this retirement benefit but at the expense of my mental health for sure so i was very very lucky um to find a really great hybrid position with urmc um, and corporate training. So that's how I'm able to be home right now while I'm having this, while we're having this interview. Um, I go into the office maybe once every two weeks. I work from home the rest of the time. And even though I'm working, it's, I still get to see my kids come off the bus. If they're sick, I can be here with them. Taking sick time is very simple. There's a lot more flexibility. I've been very lucky to find this position, but it was a huge, it's a huge shift in my identity. When you're a teacher, all your friends are teachers. It's your entire life. It's your family's entire life. My own children have been to so many award ceremonies for other children because I've had to bring them with me. 
Um, they have been to every open house of, uh, because my husband would be working nights. So I'd have to bring them all with me and set up my smart board and they get to eat uh, fast food for dinner in front of my smart board and watch a movie while I'm working open house. I mean, it's, it's bananas, but you do it. You, you do it. You have to, to make it work. But um, I'm, I feel very lucky that I was able to have the shift. And now I do feel like um, you know, people are like, oh, when you're a teacher, though, you can retire at 55. That's because you can't make it past then. I feel like with this job, I could work till I'm like, I'll work, I'll work forever. I'll just work and it will be fine. I'm not uh, nearly as stressed. That's so interesting. And I love your, I don't want to call it optimism, but I love that you keep referring to yourself as very lucky, very lucky. That is a theme when I talk to these working moms through all of these conversations I've been having is just the perspective that they are lucky is so beautiful. But also I want to say like you worked hard, like you were a warrior. And so it's not, it, it, sure, some of it might be luck, but some of it's maybe most of it is like you worked hard and you were proactive and you had true agency in your life, all facets of your life of children and work and your relationship. And so that deserves to be recognized and commended. And so I just, for what it's worth, that's where my mind goes. I am curious, is there a part of you that feels that this shift that you've had to make later on in your career that's affected your identity, that's obviously been a financial driver. Do you feel that that is possibly attached to this concept of a motherhood penalty and how structures and systems are not set up to support working mothers? Yes. I, no, I'm having an epiphany right now as you're speaking. You are absolutely right. A thousand percent. So I did take a pay cut also to come to this job. It was something my husband and I had to negotiate, right, that this is going to be best for our family. Um, and again, that mom guilt, I'm going to feel guilty forever that I didn't do this sooner when my older kids were younger. But, you know, you, you said it too earlier. You said how I have two younger kids, so I'm still in the thick of it. And I appreciate that because let me tell you about the reboot when we four years ago brought home a one-year-old and a three-year-old after having, you know, living with a seven and a nine-year-old who were pretty, pretty self-sufficient overall, it was a total reboot. And that's when I was like, I can't do this. I'm, you know, this XYZ years older. I'm so tired. Like, I can't do this. And uh, yes, absolutely. The systems and, and, and structures not being set up for us to do the most important job. Um, and it's funny because when you're a working mom, there's a sentiment that you, that motherhood is second and it, it's just not true. Motherhood is still the most important thing for me. You make, not to get too cerebral, you can cut this later if you want, but when you decide to have children, bring children into the world or parent children, you're making a pact with the universe, right? You are agreeing to raise another human being in, an, in a world that's getting smaller and smaller and they will have a larger, larger effect on a larger community than we ever had. So it is the mo it's the highest calling for sure. But it doesn't seem like anybody cares. <laughs> Anyone in power cares about that, right? So when you you know, I, can you imagine? I mean, six weeks, right? A lot of people six weeks for a vaginal delivery, eight weeks for a cesarean. That's it. You can't adopt a puppy that's younger, right? That's younger than six weeks 
from its mother because it's considered cruel. But this is what we're expected to do as moms. So I was, again, I know you're not going to say I was lucky, but I was, I was able, we were able to go so for the adoption. We went to Korea for five full weeks. Uh, it was amazing. We took the whole fam, took the kids out of school. It was fantastic. Life changing. And then when I came home, um, I took FMLA and then my husband was able to take FMLA when I went back to work. But these were all things we had to finagle. I had to call my union. I got luckily spoke with a woman in the union high up that she was an adoptive mom. So she's like, oh, here's what you have to do. But like you have to find the loopholes to find the support that's supposed to be a benefit. You're all these benefits are supposed to be in place. You shouldn't have to like trick, borrow, beg to get your benefits to stay home with your baby, which is a, a natural part of life. Go and talk to other countries right now with a declining birth rate, right? And they and they're begging people to have babies. But here in the US, the most powerful country in the world, there's no support for us uh, when we make that choice. And you were begging for FMLA, which is yes, 12 weeks, not paid. So you're, it's just job security. So it's wild, the hoops that they make you go through. I couldn't agree more. So, and I know we were getting close on time here, so I wanna wrap up, but I do wanna ask you about your decision to adopt two children. Talk to me about that. Do you feel like that is tied to your cerebral purpose of raising kids? And that's the most important job you could do? Yeah, there's there's a lot of layers to that. People ask that and I never have a great answer for it. So. It's the same as when you ask someone why they decide to have children. There's not like a, it's just something you feel. You can talk about a biological imperative, but not everybody has it. And so it's the same with adoption. This is something that I have always felt like I wanted to do. I, I can't explain it. Well, so <laughs> I'm adopted, but it's more than that. Like it's, it's more than that. And then when I met my husband, he has his sister is adopted and it was like this it was like this magical moment and it was a non-negotiable for me when looking for a life partner again not to get too cerebral but here we are um was that i definitely wanted to adopt so it's difficult but that is a huge financial decision too and it people don't like to talk about it right it's taboo but it's 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 comparable to what some people are paying when they have a baby in a hospital without the right insurance, the quote unquote right insurance, right? It's comparable. You can go look it up online. And so it is a huge decision you make. Um, lots of saving involved there and even then greater penalty, right? Overall for this plan of how to build your family when this is supposed to be, uh, you know, like a country of free choice. I should do this if I want to do it. And uh, it is for the improvement of, of everything, but Again, that's lack of support. I mean, you hit the nail on the head right there. Uh, the lack of support is very frustrating. And that's why having your community of support helps uh, balance that out. Thank you so much for sharing. And I personally want to say that, you know, my personal takeaway in talking to you is, yes, I need my mom tribe, but you've shown me that I need my mom tribe and a resource in my mom tribe that is a decade older than me that can share this perspective because it's it is grounding to use your uh, words previously to get that perspective of somebody who is still in the thick of it in their own way but from my perspective of where i sit 
they're on the other side of the youngness of of kids and so i just i thank you for that insight um personally and i hope others uh have found their own snippets of inspiration here so all right so to end today's episode we do a little fun game where i say a word and you give me the first emotion that comes into your head when i say that word oh no <laughs> now I have to remind everybody that there are no wrong answers. There are no right answers. Emotions come and go. And it's just where are you currently at today of how you feel about these things? So there is six of them. So the first one is kids. Joy. Pregnancy. Is fatigue an emotion? <laughs> yes. <laughs> You've been pregnant? Yes. <laughs> mental load. We didn't really talk about this today, but mental load. Oof overwhelming finances <laughs> also overwhelming oh man i'm not good at this game uh benefits or insurance secure security all right and the last one the future future mm, exciting excitement awesome all right well thank you so much Devin, for sharing all of your inspiration i really really enjoyed this chat and i know others will find some inspiration for it so thank you again for being here thank you so much for having me this was so fun Moms with Benefits is on a mission to empower moms for the financial impact of motherhood. If you're a mom willing and even excited about sharing your journey and challenges with other moms, we'd love to have you apply to be a guest on our podcast. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram at momswithbenefits.org and our application is linked right in our bio. P.S. We see you, mama. You're working hard today and you are doing great.